people have a lot of fear just around money. I mean, it's a really big, either they don't think they can make it, they don't think they should have it, or even, you know, people who are spiritual, they're like, well, if you're spiritual, you shouldn't want for anything and you should just be satisfied with whatever small amount and, and make your desire small because that's what's spiritual. And that's not true. Welcome to Spiritually Hungry. Today, we want to talk about a very timely topic. That would be money. With the gift giving season upon us, people are spending more of it. <laughs> In a recent study by Capital One and the Decision Lab, researchers found that 77% of Americans report feeling anxious about their financial situation. 77. It's a big number. Yeah. 58% feel that finances control their lives. It's also a big number. 58, you said? Mm hmm. 52% have difficulty controlling their money-related worries. So that's kind of related to the first one, really. When we talk about money, we're talking about so much more than money. Money is emotional, money is energy, and it represents security and success, or lack of it, I suppose. As you can tell by those statistics, it's also a great source of stress and fear. So most of us have inherent attitudes about money, which are very dependent on our parents and their view and their experience of money, for better or for worse. I certainly did. I can remember. Really? Yeah. I mean, it, it didn't until I did, right? We lived in, How so? in New Orleans. My father was a self-made millionaire. He loved his cars. He got a new one every year. He liked shiny things. He built this house he was super proud of, which was modern. Imagine in like a Southern neighborhood where everybody has it was just, It was modern and Persian. Well, it was modern. <laughs> modern know, it was, it was it Middle Eastern-ish, yes. for sure. But imagine all the other houses. Well, you know, brick, wood shutters, a porch, wraparound porch, swinging bench in the front. And then we had this like white, huge white. They'd call it the White House. Is, but that was um, in New Orleans? Then, or is that it's a suburb? It's still called New Orleans, though. Right? It was New Orleans. It was in Metairie. And then, then he lost all of his money. And then I saw my parents have great stress, a lot of arguments about That's money, a lot of pain trying to make it back again, a lot of regret. So for me, I think because I saw both, both ends of that, it made me appreciate money, but it also made me know fully that you can't, it's not going to make you happy. And it's also fleeting. It will come, it will go, it will come again, it will go again. Like it can't be something you revolve your whole life around or depend on it. So yeah, absolutely. So, so you're me. saying, because one could hear the, your story and say that you, and I don't know, I wonder if your sisters, but uh, but that because you saw your father struggle after having made it, that didn't cause you to have fears around money? No, it taught me to find something else to worship, you know, and really it was my connection to the creator. I mean, it really, it shifted, I think, a lot because I, I saw both my parents, they suffered a lot. They suffered a lot when they lost it and um and they fought a lot and then i remember just as a kid like yeah i had i think i did have worry and so i would be the first to sacrifice i go i don't need this or i don't want that yeah it's interesting but something about my childhood so growing up we didn't have a lot of money we would buy cl our clothes at thrift shops and things like that but but i think it's different because that was just the norm, so I didn't. I didn't feel any lack. I, I didn't, didn't grow up saying, "Oh, we don't have." Like even the thought, we don't have enough money to buy clothes. No, we're buying our clothes at a thrift shop, and then yeah, even, it was a great source of pain. Yeah, it's very interesting. So I think. I mean, I wonder. 
and there's probably studies on this, but that I think for me, because we grew up not having, and then, you know, sort of over time, we became more comfortable that there was no, there was no negativity, but probably if a person grows up in a home where there was, and then there wasn't, that's probably, you know, more, more possibility to cause trauma. Well, I think it's up to each person to make sense of it. I can tell you one sister of mine was too young for it to really, she never experienced the wealth. So, you know, I think the lack mentality probably did affect her, but she's not, it, it wasn't the loss part, right? My older sister being rebellious, she's, that's just her nature, Aquarian. She, it made her want to spend more kind of like, you know, it was just a different, because she didn't want to feel the lack. So she didn't feel the lack, right? But right, it wasn't really I've heard, I've heard, I, I don't understand that psychology, but I know that it does it happen. Does Sometimes exist. people are in, in a really bad, like bad financial situation. They just want to spend a lot of money I guess what to forget about, or just, or just to rebel the, against the lack the reality. feels so painful that they get the joy of spending, but then of course debt. they're crippled by fear and worry after and, and credit debt. card debt, yeah. right? But I, I think that uh, I want to tell you another story. There's something called generational financial trauma, and I thought this was interesting. Isn't but, that what we just talked about? It it's is, yeah. it is. But I, I want to unpack it a little bit more with the story sure. because not everybody like I didn't. I don't think I had trauma. I think my sister does, right? I think that that's. But it refers to an imbalanced attitude that we've inherited from our families based on the trauma that they and then we experience. So, for example, if you're raised as an immigrant or in an immigrant family that had to struggle to make ends meet, you might have internalized worry by watching your caregivers pinch pennies and work multiple jobs. I definitely internalized worry, by the way. But my friend, her grandmother, her name's Violet, and she grew up in the Great Depression. And she had the mentality that everything had value and rarely threw anything in the trash. And there's definitely value in that mindset of, you know, appreciating. But even in her older years, when they were very financially stable, her drinking glasses were reused mason jars. And she never bought storage containers. She reused, do you remember the Cool Whip containers? No. The Cool Whip, it's like a, a whipped cream, basically. And it's like this ugly white plastic thing. And they'd have like 10 of them in the refrigerator and nothing was labeled or marked. So you don't know when it was from. You don't know what's in it. And they had money. I mean, in fact, she had beautiful crystal glasses that she only took out for Christmas and Easter, which maybe that's a blessing knowing what do we I know, know about this crystal person? today. Uh, you don't, no. But that that did affect her children, right? Three generations, actually, live like that. They have a guilt response, even though they never experienced it. It was 80 years before them, right? But it does. It goes from generation to generation, unless you change your relationship with money, which is what we're talking about today. Right. So I think that maybe the most important understanding is that our consciousness around money influences two very important aspects. One, how much of it we can actually receive. And second, how I say our money is blessed, meaning how much we actually can enjoy it. Because we do know a lot of people who have you know money, but aren't able to enjoy it. So there's two things that you want and you should want and deserve. One, to actually have abundance. And second, to be able to enjoy it. One without the other would be pointless. So you think that only why do you think that is that some people are able to enjoy their money? Oh, I think it's all it's all about consciousness and it's all about a person's spiritual state. So the spiritual understanding is that there are two And don't you think it's also the the value you put on money like what you think it's going 
because I think a lot of people, their identity is how much exactly. money is in their bank account, right, right? Right. Or if their name is on a building, or if the, their name is the, their company is their name, right? And so, if that is your identity, <laughs> be, be very careful. Right. So, so there are two ways to draw money. One is what I would call from the endless light of the Creator. So we've spoken about this in previous podcasts, but the understanding is that what one can call God, one can call the Creator, or the energy of the universe, is an energy of, of endless sharing. Endless sharing. And you have to know that. Which means that there is no reason why any one of us would ever be in a state of lack. But the question is, is that where you are cons- consciously, when you go to work, or when you are making money, or when you are desiring to build something, or to make money, is your thought, where am I getting this from? Most of us maybe aren't that conscious, right? That is a problem. But really what the thought and consciousness needs to be, is that I am connecting to an abundant, endless, limitless source, and everything that I am going to do, I go to my job, I am creating my business, whatever it is that I am doing, in order to manifest, it is not from me, which is a big mistake people make, to think, I am going to make the money, I am going to build this business. No. It is, I am going to be connecting to, and it has to be conscious, and it has to be constant, the endless source that created this world, and and I want my business, I want my work to be connected to that, and whatever manifests from that will flow from that source. So that's one way of going about making money, thinking about money, and building business. Irregardless of how much you're making? Yes, of course. Even if you're only making whatever, yes, little or a lot, the consciousness has to be, where is this coming from? Where is this coming from? And I'll, and I'll, I'll explain it a minute. I think it's important to understand. The other part, there's a one of the uh, most original biblical stories is after the fall of Adam and Eve. Those of us who know the story in the Bible, it says one of the curses of humanity is, in the ancient words, it says bezeat apecha tochal lechem, which means you will only eat bread, have bread, have money, with the sweat of your brow. Right. So there's two ways to create money, a little or a lot. Well, only one of them only allows for a little. One is when you are consciously connected with the thought, where is my money coming from? It is not coming from me, not coming from my genius, it is not coming from all my great work. It is important to do all those things. It is important to have a, a, a smart mind that can create, that can do. But where is it, and where do I want it to be coming from? I want it to be coming from the limitless, and then this light to the Creator. Then, then, with that, that, that consciousness, whatever I do can be abundant. Whatever I do can be limitless. To the degree that I, or an individual, thinks that they are the ones creating the work, the money, the abundance, the wealth, then they are going to always be limited. Limited in either, literally, their amount, or in the amount that they can enjoy it. Well, dependent on their consciousness is, I guess that's the answer of why some people enjoy their money and some don't. Exactly. So if they are aware of the circuitry of money and that it's coming from not from them from above, right? And it's it's something that they're well, above is a hard word, right? But it's, it's but they're, coming, they're, yeah, they're, it's coming from that that and limitless force that is under the undercurrent of this universe. So it's not about how much work they do or don't do. It's not because okay. that's what you're saying about no, the brow. No, thing, no, no, about no, this no, my brow. no, no. So. Okay, so we're going a little bit deep here, but there's a very important spiritual un- understanding, and that is that there is a 
correlation between the work that we input and the blessing that we manifest. So, for example, the Kabbalists teach that in order for any individual to manifest a blessing, he or she has to invest 100% of their effort. But after investing 100% of the effort, they have to know that it is not that 100% of the effort that actually manifested the blessing. That is what allowed that light, what we call the light of the Creator, to then manifest the blessing. It's a very important point. And I want to. So the hard work opens the gate. Allows exactly, and therefore there's a there's a there's a phrase the Kabbalists repeat over and over again, that only if you've invested a tremendous amount of effort, the word is yegiyah, and then you find the blessing. Meaning the blessing isn't something that you actually created, but it's something you allowed to manifest. Let, let this is really worthwhile. You need to really unpack okay. this because, again, people have all kinds of issues with money. Money is a, a really a, a hot point for many. And for most people, there's a lot of fear around money, right? And all those fears are really about loss. People are afraid that they won't make it ever. Or if they make it, then it's going to go. Like in my father's case, we see these stories time and time again. We also, there's a story of a woman named Mavis. I want to get her last name for you. She won the lottery, right? Mavis Wansick, Wansick. She won $758.7 million in the lottery in 2017. And she thought that was it, right? Her life was going to be Peaches rainbows and, and sunshine. And it was like one of the worst things that ever happened to her. She was, you know, countless people came to her wanting something people she knew, people she didn't know once the news broke, right? And her whole life, like she became, she was like hiding. She didn't even want, it was, it was actually a curse. Yeah, and it, that wasn't through hard work. And she didn't even enjoy it. So, right. So, I think it's really important to underscore how important this. It's really a secret. The secret of the way to manifest, the way to manifest abundance in one's life, consciousness. Right. First thought: Where are my blessings coming from? And it has to be. And again, this is not something that once you hear it, okay, I have this right consciousness. It has to be something you think about all the time. So let's say I want to start a business. Right. Okay. So you're saying that I need to wake up every single morning before I put in my creative thoughts and plans and work and whatever I do, and I have the thought that these blessings... I, I want to be connected to the limitless light of the Creator, and I want everything that I do today, as it relates to my work, whatever I am creating, to be connected to that flow. And I know that it's not me. Because it's endless. Because it's, because it's the only way for my blessings to be limitless. It's the only way for my blessings to be endless. Whereas I think many people, again, wake up in the morning, even those who are driven, they have a plan, what they want to do, whether it's building a business or whether it's manifesting more blessings within a business that they currently have, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, you can... You can, with the sweat of your brow, manifest certain success. It can't be limitless. It can't but be so limitless. But you're saying Limit they won't get everything that they were maybe intended to get? And are you also saying that they won't be able to enjoy it? Both. Both. They will be limited in what they can manifest, and they will certainly be limited by the amount of pleasure that they extract from whatever it is they manifest. So the only. So you're saying that's the formula. So when you, any of us, look around and we see people who have money and enjoy it versus those who have who don't, don't have or don't enjoy it 
It's that secret. Exactly. Really? You'd exactly. say black and white. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that the only, and again, I've, I've, we've met enough people who've been successful to know this, that... Yeah, I never looked at it like that. I kind of looked at it like karma or past life. There are, again, there are, like, to be clear... Or personality there, types, like a miser, like just people who just... There are people who are blessed and have the ability to manifest more than others, right? There definitely are people who are born in this world with more of the ability... And for different reasons. ...to manifest. It could be for different reasons. But the rule that is always true is that no matter how much one is meant to manifest, the amount that they will manifest will be limitless, and the amount that they enjoy it can be limitless if they are sticking to this consciousness. And then you don't have that fear, like I mentioned, of loss, because now it's not something that, again, you can't lose it if it, well... Well, that's that's the other part. And yeah. this is also very <laughs> important work. No, because, and this is really, again, I, 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 I really want to underscore how fundamental and important this is, right? So fear. Why, why does fear come? Fear comes because I think I made it. I need to make sure I protect it. Now, there's no way that even the smartest, most powerful person in the world can actually influence everything around their money, their, what they've succeeded. It has to be something beyond that. I, I remember years ago, I was on a flight with a friend, and we were talking about a friend of them theirs who was very, very successful. And he shared with me that, of course, this person does their work, but most of their time, he said, is 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 focused on managing luck. This is the word that he used. And what he, this what person he, that's very successful said that most of his thought, time, and energy is is not. Of course, he invests time and effort in the work, but the rest of it is in is in managing luck. What does that mean? Yes, what they meant was they knew that their success, even though they were very successful and they were very smart and they were very, in the right place at the right time and so on and so forth, the real reason was beyond them. So that's what they meant by luck. Exactly. So what what we're saying, and this is again, I said, and this is true. and managing it is keeping that that consciousness, consciousness at the forefront. Exactly. Which is, by the way, a full time job. Because, but because to be clear, and and again, even obvious things should be said. The people who have more money than those who don't are not are not that because they're smarter, right? You have some person who's smarter than another person who can be less successful than that. It's clearly something beyond, and that's I think clearly obvious, but. In order for fear to go away, the foundation of fear is, if it's me, then, oh my God, if I don't pay attention, if I this, if I that, if it's all me, <laughs> then you should be worried every single second of the day. Because if you believe it's you, then you are responsible for keeping it. I think it also creates kind of a tunnel vision, because if you created it, then when's your next great idea going to come? When are you going to make it happen again? And then there's tremendous pressure that you put on yourself to be able to do that. And I, I kind of saw that with my father, right? Like he did it once and it was through blood, sweat, tears. He did. He created this company and he did. He made that happen. But then when he couldn't, he wasn't able to go outside of what he knew and what he had relied on. And there is a dead end there. You know, right. You're talking about endless energy and light versus uh, capped amount. Right. Right. And, and, and what I would, and therefore, I, again, this is, very important. If I, this is and this is in mind. This is ancient wisdom that we have to break away from the ego convincing us. Every, by the way, every morning when we wake up, 
you are you need to you did you will and you're responsible to make this happen again it is important to invest the time and effort otherwise you can't be open to to the 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 this blessing manifesting this business succeeding and so on but you have to remind yourself it isn't me it isn't from me i am tapping into this limitless endless flow of energy and when you Change your consciousness, and the only way to do this is by constant meditation and constant thought on this idea. Then the fear slowly but surely goes away. Because the fear of loss. The fear of loss. Because because people have a lot of fear just around money. I mean, it's a really big either they don't think they can make it, they don't think they should have it, or even, you know, people who are spiritual, they're like, well, if you're spiritual, you shouldn't want for anything and you should just be satisfied with whatever small amount and, and make your desire small because that's what's spiritual. And that's not true. Kabbalah no, teaches not. it's all about desire. And of course, you want to be able to share what you do have. And that's a big part of why we should receive. But I just think it's just, it's such an interesting topic because there's so many complicated ways of thinking about it. Right. And, and specifically, just to, to underscore this again, the, the way to remove the fear is if you really meditate and bring your consciousness to the understanding that the reason I have, whatever it is that I have, a little or a lot, the reason I manifested this is because I connected to the limitless source of the, of the light of the Creator, then of course more can come. So why would I be scared if I lose this or if I gain that? I'm connected to a limitless flow. And again, like I said, I, I, it's easy words to say, but to live. And, and which brings, there's a lot of deeper concepts to this, but it's said that Abraham, the biblical patriarch, who was a very wealthy man, if you received one penny from him, if you received one penny from him, you would become wealthy. Why? Because even his penny was connected to the limitless light. So even one penny from somebody who is living in this way and earning in this way and creating in this way connects you to the endless flow. And if you get one penny of that, the penny is everything. And therefore, again, over time, this is not something that can happen right away, especially for those of our listeners who have a deep insecurity or fear around money. But I promise you, this is the path, not only to being able to manifest, but also removing fears that you have around money. This reminds me of the immortal words of the notorious B.I.G. Mo money, mo problems. So there's an ancient parable from Greece, and I always liked this story. It's about a tyrannical ruler named Dionysus who suffers from what's called the golden cage syndrome. You know this? He has unlimited money and power, yet he doesn't trust anyone. He's so riddled with paranoia that he even built a moat around his sleeping quarters. So one day, a man named Damocles remarked on how perfect and easy Dionysus' life must be. In response, the ruler suggested they trade places for a day so that Damocles might find out for himself. The eager Damocles was then pampered and regaled like a king. However, when he sat on his throne, he noticed a sharpened sword dangling by a single horsehair hovering inches above his head. Horrified, Damocles jumped up and begged to stop the trade immediately, to which Dionysus replied, You felt threatened sitting beneath the sword for a minute, but I feel a similar danger every moment of every day. And Damocles couldn't wait to go return to his simple, safe cottage. And so he did. But I find the story interesting. But I, try, I want to understand that that's where the sword of Damocles comes from. I didn't, exactly. even, didn't know that. But, 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 I know, isn't it an interesting story? But he did that for him? He's like, if you think my life is so great, come, come here for, come here. But was for that a day. sort of always there for him, or only for he put That's it there for Damocles? That's how he felt. 
he felt how he felt like this word was oh, on. So it's him. not really a fair story. Well, it's a good <laughs> because story. Because it's a good story, but it's not how he they lived his life. They got him out of his chair. My point is <laughs> that one has wealth. And by the way, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with having all these things if you don't share them, right? Again, to your point, if you think that you are just the creator of that. Well, that, that leads to a very important... Well, let me just finish Sorry. my thought, my yes. love. <laughs> and then Damocles, I didn't like the part of the story that he just wants to go back to his safe, simple house because then where's the desire, right? It's very black and white, but it does show that neither is the attitude to have around having money and power. Right. Okay, right. now it can lead yeah. you to your very important point. Yes, which is, and this is a, another very important law that spiritual law that that I've seen work and and this has again been taught for thousands of years and this actually works. So if you truly live with the consciousness that the reason why I have manifested success, abundance a little or a lot, is because I am connected to the limitless source of blessings. It must be continued, which means if a person gathers money, whatever amount it is, and he or she does not share any of it, then he has, regardless of what he or she might think that they're thinking, they're, you're not connected to an endless source if you're not endless as well, if you're not continuing that cycle of giving. And therefore... Right, so you're saying the energy behind sharing is circuitry. Exactly, because then you're actually... Because we, you're jumping into that flow. You're, you're actually part living of the energy. Exactly. Now you have become part of. If they, exactly. And therefore, and again, every, for every person it's different. What I would say is if you really want to have abundance, and again, abundance... And enjoy it. Exactly. That's what, <laughs> those, those, as far as I'm concerned, abundance is only when you have... And you, can, and you, you can enjoy it completely. You have to be sharing it. The, the Kabbalists use the term 10%. Every person can make their own decision. But the gift of, the t of giving away 10%, whether it's to somebody who, who needs, to be, however one chooses to share that, when you do that, you are, it's not enough in thought and in word, but in action, making yourself a part of that limitless flow. By the way, to your point, it's interesting because when you come across money, whatever the amount is, you have a choice, right? You can either let money change you, which it does very often, or you can be the change, right? You can take that money and then create change. Or in the you world. can make change for people. <laughs> but 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 it's a very important point. Exactly. So I thought these statistics were so interesting. I'm not I don't want to be offensive at all, but I just thought this kind of offensive, why not? It was just it really kind of like I was like, wait, is this real? So we know in we'll our offending you, so I know. <laughs> I don't know yet. In our modern world, uh we overvalue wealth and drastically undervalue human life if you compare it right the way people behave when they have money versus like kindnesses we can offer to people who are struggling right and we're rewarded for for having versus doing very often and it's a backwards way of thinking that's hurting all of us psychologists dacker keltner and paul piff did some interesting work in this area. They monitored intersections with four-way stop signs and found that people in expensive cars were four times more likely to cut in front of other drivers compared to folks in more modest vehicles. When the researchers posed as pedestrians waiting to cross the street, all the drivers in cheap cars respected their right of way, while those driving expensive cars drove right on by 46.2% of the time. I think this is fascinating that there's actually information on this. And even when they made eye contact with the pedestrians waiting to cross, they still went. 
When Keltner and Piff left a jar of candy at the entrance of their lab with a sign saying whatever was left over would be given to kids at a nearby school. I can't even read this one. They found out that the wealthier people took more candy out of the jar. <laughs> it's like, I mean, again, this is facts. Another study found that on average, people with incomes below 25000 typically gave away a little over 4% of their income, while those earning more than 150000 donated only 2%. 2.7%, sorry. So let's pause because the idea that wealth makes people less empathetic is troubling. And I'm not really sure that I believe that. No, can I ex- give but yeah, what do you, What do you think about so the, that? The point is this. Wait, I want to say, okay. so I want to hear yours, but Piff and his colleagues suspect that the answer may have something to do with how wealth and abundance give us a sense of freedom and independence from others. So in essence, connecting less to other people because you don't really have to. That's that was the conclusion they drew. But what is your spiritual no, the, take? The on point it? is that, as we said before, money is energy, and the way to both have money abundance and to enjoy it is to be part of that flow of energy. So you're saying this is an effect when you have a lot of energy, and it's not manifesting in its proper way. It actually causes damage. Uh, damage. Damage. So it's well, you actually. You can say it because again, these are statistics. So and they, this is and again, this is true of somebody who has a lot or a little. <clears throat> if you're not sharing of it, then it's not possible for that money to be in the flow of the limitless light. And yeah, it will also have the negative effect of not allowing you to manifest all that you can, nor enjoying it as much as you should. But it also creates other damage. And what you're if, assuming these these studies are correct. Well, I mean uh, it I causes so. p- it causes people <clears throat> to lo- lose a little bit of their humanity. So the reality is that actually having, and we all have to one degree or another, is a dangerous proposition unless you take the spiritual path. Exactly. Which and is, I, yeah. I, that's why I like these numbers, is it brings to what it it shows the truth behind what you're saying. I don't like that they stated as people who are wealthy versus people who are not. I think it's just easier to look at and denigrate. <laughs> <laughs> look at a group. But I think to your point, it could be whether you have a little bit or that you have a lot. It's how you feel about that money and it's what you do with it. And that could be, you know, I don't like the stereotype, but I thought that that was an interesting Absolutely. conversation. Absolutely. And I think again, all of this is to teach every single one of us. All of us. That that money is energy, that we are meant to be in the flow of that energy, every single one of us, abundance and limitless enjoyment from it. But there is a one of the caveats is what consciousness, and that's what we spoke about before, having the proper consciousness about where it's coming from. And second, the only way to maintain that flow is to be sharing of it. And at 10%, and, and it's interesting that that in the Old Testament, they're, they're, the only place where the, where the Creator says, Test me. This is going to. I promise you, this is going to work. Is when it comes to to the idea of giving ten percent, of sharing ten percent of your money. The creator says, "I promise you that if you do this, you will have abundance." Why? Because this is manifesting the consciousness of I am in the flow of this money. This money is not for me. It's from the limitless line of the creator, and I'm just in it. And I therefore I give ten percent to share with other people, because it's not mine. It's not from me. And then a person can truly be able to manifest greater abundance and also able to enjoy it with more limitless abilities. That's beautiful. There's a parable that explains how money flows in the physical world. I'm sure you know the story. There once was an ancient Kabbalist named Rav Zusha of Anapoli. Every day he would complete his morning prayers and he spoke out loud to the Creator. 
He said, blessed be the creator, your humble servant Zusha would like some breakfast now. Immediately following this, his attendant would arrive and serve him breakfast. This continued on day after day without fail. After a good amount of time, the attendant thought to himself, sheesh, Susha, of course your breakfast arrives every morning. I'm the one who makes it and brings it to you. Then he hatched a plan to teach the Kabbalist a lesson. The next day, Rav Zusha requested his breakfast as usual. Blessed to be the creator, your humble servant, Zusha would like some breakfast now. The attendant, feeling smug, crossed his arms and didn't move a muscle, and he stayed in the kitchen and smiled to himself. All of a sudden, he heard a knock at the door. There on the threshold stood a man holding a bounty of food. Rav Zusha gave me and my wife a blessing for a child. Our baby has been born healthy and strong. Please take this gift as a token of our gratitude. Awestruck, the attendant accepted the food and realized his folly. What was I thinking? The creator is indeed the one who provides for Rav Zusha. If I refuse to bring Zusha his meals, the creator will find another way, for I am simply the channel. There's a beautiful circuitry to the way that money flows. And I think that's a perfect example. Yes. And if I can, it reminds me of a very beautiful, deep, and practical spiritual law. In the ancient stories, there are many of the greatest souls, the patriarchs, matriarchs, who had trouble conceiving. And by the way, that could be a great podcast. Trouble conceiving? Just unpacking uh, that. Because, the, the, you know, a lot of people, I think we should pick, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent. <laughs> we should pick like five stories from the Bible that make no sense if you read them. Like, you know, Sarah giving birth at 101. And, so, but even like that theme of why, why would it be hard for them to conceive? Which right. I know we're not going to go into. Well, that, that, go well that, that was the question. So the question so is. I guess we're not going to do a podcast. <laughs> no, no, we can. But I'm going to give this, the, 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 the quick version for this, for this idea that it says, why did they have to wait so long? Right? A lot of regular, simple people. So they ask, why was it difficult for them? And it says that the creator enjoys or desires the prayers of the elevated souls which you have to understand what does that mean like why as if to somebody who is not as close suffer exactly because the creator enjoys hearing prayer so the understanding is that there's been billions of children born into this world some of them have been great some of them not so great right so having a child is one thing having a child who is pure and elevated and filled with light and blessings something else so in Kabbalistic terms, there's different places from which you can draw your blessing. There's lower places, higher places. There's a lot more detail to this, but if you take more time in building your desire, in building prayers, another word for awakening desire, then you can draw your blessing from a higher place. So, for example, Abraham and Sarah, they were meant to draw a soul, a child, from a very, very high place. You have to climb there. You can't just ask for it. If you want to, you know, like a child, like so many people have, you know, low, well, you know, unfortunately, right? Don't are, say <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> no, I was going to say low. I was going to say low. Then you can get a child like that. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying it's true. Right, again, we, we can look through human history. There have been pretty bad people who were born. They were also children at some point, right? My point, that's not my point, yeah. is, that, is that if you are attempting to draw a higher blessing. In this case, a higher soul. It takes longer. It takes more work. It takes more prayers. It takes more desire. And this is very much relates to everything we're talking about here. Yeah, a person can have their bread, or have their money, or have their success. Where is it coming from? The higher it comes from, the longer it lasts. The more abundance it brings you, the more blessings it brings you. And therefore, the idea is not just, and, and I really think that there's a lot that we shared today that, that can really open up 
cascades for, for our listeners. And remember, you just don't want to make money. You don't want just to have abundance. You want to have it from the highest places so that it lasts. Are you saying the correlation between how much effort you put time, in? Time, desire, and also where it comes from. And this all goes back to the idea we spoke about before, that I want... And what kind of consciousness? Somebody can have an, a thought still based on me and think that they, they've been praying for it for 10 years, but they're, they're still it's still about them and their abilities, right, right? Right, So it's just tricky. It's very specific. Yeah, and it's a lot of work. Everything, and I want to be very clear, everything we spoke about today, these concepts, and I, I strongly believe and I've seen that they can open up abundance and more important, that really appreciate, being able to appreciate and enjoy one's success and abundance, but it takes work. And and which reminds me, as I'm, as I'm saying this, that the, the Kabbalists had a, meditation that you should do at least three times a day. And it's pretty simple, but... but to bring in abundance. To bring in abundance. But the right, as we everything we spoke about, the right kind of abundance. And it's literally to open up your hands with the palms facing upwards. Okay, let's do this. Yes, and I ask all of our listeners, and I do recommend... It, Folks, join it. us. Our hands are open. And and you say a phrase, poteach et yadecha, which means we open up our hands. And the Creator sends in the sustenance for all that we need. And we do this at least three times a day, and I would ask our listeners, at least do it once a day, because what this this goes to everything we spoke about, understanding that it's not from me, it's from the endless light of the Creator, and that it's not for me, it's for others it's as well. Because an open hand both receives openly and shares openly. And then do you have to say something after that? You can say many, many things, but I would... There's a, again, there's a lot... By the way, there's a lot more... Many more meditations, but I think for our listeners, at least at the beginning, this is a very important both physical action and meditation that goes with it. And again, like I said, I, I've seen this work. I know this works for thousands of years. The Kabbalists have been using this. And everything we share today, the consciousness and the tools, they will work for you if you work for them, which means this is not a consciousness that changes right away. This is something to be thinking about all the time. And then you, you will both change your consciousness and be able to manifest the true endless abundance and blessings you're meant to have. So, <laughs> um, I was actually going to share one of our one of our listeners' letters, which which is really more of a question. So, uh, I'm going to do it next week, but so we have to give it some more time at the end because it's a really important question that she has. But this is a perfect time to remind our listeners: as you are enjoying this podcast, share it with everybody you know. Go to Apple Podcasts, write amazing reviews, five star reviews, and Use the gift of this podcast by sharing it with as many people, every family member, friend that you're seeing around these holiday times. And, of course, as well to all of our listeners, share your questions, stories, inspirations, appreciations with Monica and myself, and we will then share them with the rest of our listeners. Send your emails to Monica and Michael at spirituallyhungry.life. Monica and Michael at spirituallyhungry.life. It inspires us. If you enjoy this podcast, send us a letter, send us an appreciation, send us a question. We'll try to get and read as many of them as possible. And when we share your letter with the, all of our listeners, you get all of that light and blessing as well. So it's a great opportunity for you, inspiration for us and all of our listeners. So I look forward to all of your emails and letters and requests and topic ideas and questions and inspirations. Stay spiritually hungry.